Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, faggots and freaks, and beings from other places, you are now grooving to the sounds of L.B. Bad, right here on Decisive Podcast Special. Hello everyone, it's August 17th, 2018. You're listening to a decisive podcast radio show with an interview with our special guest today, L.B. Bad. L.B. has been around in the music industry for decades and we love to find out what's really behind the man and the music. So for the first hour, listen in to L.B. Bad's interview with Roberto Ingram. L. Be bad. Where was you born and raised, bro? Eastside, Bronx. East I'm a Bronx kid. <laughs> B boy, Bronx. B boy. You know what B boy stands for? <laughs> Tell Bronx. me. Tell Bronx me. boys. Bronx that boys. Was, that was the original B boy. What it meant. Okay. And that's what I'm from. In that era, mm-hmm. coming up in the '70s, before hip hop was hip hop, okay. we was just B boys. And <laughs> That whole vibe, when I say B-Boys, we was, well, at least we thought we was cool kids from the Bronx. A little bit tough, a little bit rough. And, you know, Brooklyn was harder, but the Bronx kids were kind of intelligent and and criminal-minded. You know what I mean? Slick. Slick. Brooklyn don't have to be slick, though. They can just come up to you and do what they do. You know what I mean? Give me your shoes, man. <laughs> I like exactly. the shoes. Give me the shoes. I mean, we'll, we'll wait till you, like, you know, go to a gym class and take them off or some shit. Go bowling. And, we, you know, we go into the bowling alley. We're going to take your shoes. Nah, I didn't do stuff like that. But I'm just saying, okay, from the Bronx, and then I moved around early teenage. I moved into Long Island, suburbs. And, uh, yeah, changed my life, saved my life. Because I was really wild. And then I kind of calmed down as I got suburban, <laughs> which was a good thing in my case. Very good thing. <laughs> yeah. Growing up uh, nearly 30 years ago, what was your direction in music? Well, being that I just told you where I'm from, we was very... I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your direct connection to music. Sorry about that. Ah, I'm going to give uh, first props to my moms, my oldest sister. Because they were always buying records. My mother been buying records before I was born. Oh, so, really? So she was the collector? Oh, she was the collector, hardcore. Her sisters, her, her whole family, you know. Oh, I so used she to was be, digging, huh? <laughs> man, dude, I used to stack at my aunt's house. Yeah. I used to stack seven inches, for example, from James Brown, all his records, and I just put the 45s up in a pile and compare how much he had to everybody else. It was like, damn, James. Oh, no. And I mean, you know, it was like stacks, man. I'm talking, you know, oh, about yeah. you got a 30, 45, seven inches standing up, you oh. know, and uh, whatever they had, it was like, yeah, my aunt had the, the, the collection. Uh-huh. Mom's collection was more same thing, uh, eclectic. She was everywhere. But uh, and then my sister. Can you name off the top of your head what was in that stack? Well, the stack I'm talking, you mean in my mom's stack or what? Mom's stack. Ma'am, you know, the first thing I'm going to come up with, there was this Greek I woman. Know. I think her name is Narushka, Marushka, something like this. Um, oh, really? My mom's put, Serious? My mom's put world music, man. Okay, Motown. Wow. 
she went popular to the underground in Motown. Wow, uh, okay. She didn't dig classical or jazz much, but I mean, you know, the, the, the popular soul and then the underground soul. I remember stuff like um, shame, shame, shame. Shame, get, 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 shame. Get, shame on you. <laughs> you. If you can't dance too. Through, right? oh, you know what I'm talking about? It was running that, 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 that on Soul Train. Back, way back, way back. Um, Mr. Big Stuff. You know, that, nah, that, that's my sister. Who do you that's think? Mr. Uh, Big Mr. Stuff. That's so, the kind of stuff, man. I, I mean, I had my mom. Let me give, I gave you one Greek uh, artist. My mom hooked me up with Marvin Gaye. Um, I remember she brought home the album What's Going On. I was flipping on that uh-huh. and it had to do with his voices. Yeah. He, I had never heard so many voices from one guy on like a song. Right. Uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Yeah. I don't it's kind of weird, man, because I got a history later on. I was in uh my first job ever on a radio station. I got it uh as an engineer for a jazz radio show from Mr. Ken Spider-Man, Ken Spider-Web. And uh, he was uh, WBLS mainstay for, let's say, decades. Still there, I'm sure. Wow. wow. (laughs) He was my way in. And then I, around that same time, I was doing parties. I was a resident at a club called Great American Cafe. And there, uh, some of our parties were hosted with BLS. I got uh, the guy who always came was his name is Dr. Bob Lee. And me and him actually became friends and hanging buddies and stuff like that. And uh, he was the one who connected me with the mobile music force, which I brought my whole crew into that. And it was just, that was wonderful times. With that, I was rolling around New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, playing at block parties, hosted and you know it was some of the stuff was on air sometimes and we was jamming man because this was also when new york it wasn't commercial yet what year had to be probably 86 7 8 wow okay up up until okay the 90s okay every summer i mean i you know i was every summer we used to just go out and uh, yeah, it was great, man. We had the, the the van, the BLS van would come along, and uh, yeah, we go live on air for a few minutes, and they show the party. Well, not show, but uh, play the party, and you know, different interviews, blah 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 blah. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, that's some of the things I did get to do some interviews, like with Bob, and it, yeah, it was cool, man. It was it was all training for me, training. You okay, know what I mean? Okay, yeah, I, I understand. So drums was your instrument of choice. Why? Natural, man. I, I okay. don't have a reason why. Okay. It was a natural. Uh, uh, very early, I have memories banging pots for real, banging pots. I mean, you I know, I, I set it up like, you know, it was a drum set. And I, I was really young. And I do remember like getting in trouble. And then after a while, my mom stopped yelling at me about it. I just kept doing it. And uh, I would set up different pots for different sounds, spoons, knives, forks, whatever, sticks, and bang. And then uh, early Christmas, I got my first drum, which was this little uh, Indian costume with like a, a, a small bongo. And it had a feather, it had a belt. And I was Indian, man, running around with this one. I think it even had one stick, but that, <laughs> It was it was my thing, man. It was my thing. I had to be probably around four or five. You know, it was really early. But that 
It's like it was my best friend, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was not imaginary. <laughs> but no, no, no drum set, but a drum. A drum. And right, did right. you build on that? Um, yeah, man. It, it continued. It's still continuing. <laughs> you know what I mean? With some right. ups and downs and all that. Uh huh. But, yeah. And so, but no drum set. Okay, you live in it in uh, in uh, okay suburbs now. Where did you find places to practice? Did you have a practice space for the drums without without people yelling and screaming at you all the time? Oh man, luckily, this is the point. Moving out to an apartment in the Bronx into a big house on Long Island. Okay. Um, the practice space was our house, man. We had this. Uh, we called it the recreation room. Okay. And I can't give you the meters, yo, or feet. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> but let me think. I'm going to try, try to figure it out. Our yard is 100 by 100. So the house had to be about 30 feet wide, I guess. 50, okay. 40. Makes yeah. 40-ish, I guess. So in that 40, you got that whole length. We had this one room downstairs, the whole bottom of the house. Uh-huh. Um, we didn't have a cellar, so we didn't do that cold in the cellar joint, but nice. It was a room, man. Nice room. And most of my life, the neighbors, no problem. We didn't have that. There was no neighbor problem <laughs> to include us performing, playing, practicing outside in our backyard. Sometimes on the front grass, we was like, fuck it, let's go in the front. And... Uh, I don't know what we nobody complained no police ever came around turn it down nothing ever ever oh, we oh, respect our parents great Sometimes, yeah man when my parents came home even with djing after school you know it was like the party was at my house quite often and once my mom came home from work if she didn't want to hear it she would say okay you know turn it down or cut it off and that was it no complaints is too loud it's like i don't okay. want to hear it right now so in that case, I had it great, seriously, all my life until actually moving to Europe, and then it was just staying another about story. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, another story. What did you? What did Drummond teach you? Um, has it influenced your way of making music, and in 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 what and in what way? I like that question, yo. Not too long ago, I was talking about my band, which had two drummers, and it was the mainstay for years. And having two drummers playing with another human being live okay. and keeping rhythm and keeping, let me say, the timing of what we do off each other. Not on each other, but off each off other. Off each other, right, okay. I'm gonna do this, okay. I'm gonna be quiet, and if I'm gonna do that, he's gonna be quiet. Right. And end whatever I'm doing or right. add to it. And, you know, we had this syncopation together. Rhythm section, But yeah. I realized riding records it's okay. the training. I, I could ride. I mean, yeah. sometimes I like it to see which record will fade out first. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just ride it Right, right. And um, I realized, I, I think I realized that drumming syncopation with another guy or even playing in a band helps that a lot. Oh, yeah. And um, makes a whole lot of sense. In another comparison where you can see it today, most DJs in their mix, they even take out the bass while they're mixing. Of the record that's coming out, the Mm -hmm. bass comes out and the other one comes in. Where's the ride together? You know what I mean? And when they're taking out that bass, a lot of them don't know why they're doing it. But the reality is to cover up the fuck ups or the the non-melodic clashes. Exactly. And instead, when you got the right two bases flowing, they should flow within each other and make something new. new. But you don't get that. You just get one and it's a fade, fade out. So this is one of the things. Anyway, yeah, 
from a, uh, okay. a drummer point of view, I think that yeah, really from a drummer's perspective is what I was looking at. DJing, yeah. And that's that's a new. Uh, I, I just thought about that like last month, man, because oh. I was talking about the band and the drummer. Yeah. And Wow, I want to get to that about the band too as well but um what would you who would you say is your most inspirational drummer is there one wow I think there's not one and to be honest I'm not into like I couldn't even name you four famous drummers I okay. couldn't okay but I can tell you new birth okay so, ooh, you know what I'm talking about? that's heavy here who wouldn't know new birth Oh, a lot of people. Oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're elders. Um, <laughs> okay. wait, what's, what's the... Uh, um, gotta get a nut. God, got to get a nut. Let, let me just go to the beginning. That's the drum. Right that, that drummer, wow, 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 wow. Amazing, wow. amazing. I don't know his name, you know what I mean? But I know a lot of his songs. And uh, yeah, a lot of musicians turn me on, but drummers, uh, a lot of rock drummers, I love what they do. Uh, the dude in Led Zeppelin, I don't know his name, but him, wow, wow, wow. Tell us about the bands that you were in and, and what time was this? When was well, this? Mostly just in one, actually. Okay. Um, it's called Platinum Enterprise. And actually, today we have tracks out. I made some tracks with how we would sound if we were still down. And uh, okay. that was from the 70s up until uh, mid 70s, uh, maybe even early, no, mid 70s. Man, up in history, man. Up until the DJing faded us out. And I was part of that fade out. But okay, really quick, my story, my band, I was the youngest. And it was the, the mainstay of the band. Actually, it was five of us. Two sets of brothers, me and my brother, another two sets of brothers, and a, a guitar player. Uh, I want to take out the guitar player for a minute because he was in and out, but the, the four. And in this case, I have to take him out to explain this. I was the youngest other than him. So that's also why I want to take it out. So you got these two, four, four, four guys. I'm the youngest. When they were graduating high school, I was going into high school. What happened, and okay, they were, they were also two different ages, but this mentality, and I'll give away the name of it, but back then it didn't have a name. And this was the weird shit that opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Okay. The band that I had, we was together for years and we had the same dream and it was to make albums and hopefully go on tours and do concerts and just live that musician life. So as a kid, we had the same dreams as kids, as, as young teenagers, whatever. Then when they got into 11th and 12th grades, their mentality was more or less and these are, you know, again, suburbia. They're definitely going to university. And my brother, he went to the Air Force, but the other two, they went to university. And my brother could have went to university. You know what I mean? It's like okay. that. Okay. Again, suburbia. Um, they were like, at this time, yeah, we're getting ready to go to college now. I'm not sure about this band stuff. Right, exactly. And I was like, what do you mean? You're not sure about this <laughs> band stuff. And they started to really put it... Uh, 
in pers- not into perspective. high priority. And all our lives, it was our pri- pri- priority. So for me, it was like, just because you're going to college, you can't do music or you don't want to do music anymore. I don't understand. Yeah, we're getting ready for jobs and we got to work and all this shit. So for me, the, the, what I realized years later, they were getting pulled into the matrix. The movie wasn't out. We didn't have this word. The sister who wrote the movie didn't educate me yet. You see what I'm saying? So what happened, I was very anti the system without even calling it the system. But just because my best friends, my band was getting pulled into some mature man. They were leaving you you for the system. Exactly. And I, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't handle it, but it made me stronger. And as a drummer, I was, what am I going to do to play, to perform without nobody? Because I, I can't count on people. Mm. And at this time, the DJing was really coming up. And the funny thing was, it was like a two to three year shift okay. completely. And most of that band became my DJ crew. And again, we stayed together for years. So it was just kind of weird, but they all fell out and I pulled them back into the DJing. And it was, you know, for different reasons. Like one guy, he was always into speakers and amps anyway. So it was like, yo, man, I'm gonna build some speakers for us. And that and I it was like, yo, I get the amps. And you know, it just, we oh, built the, cool. not the biggest sound, but we built up my sound. Oh, cool. And, uh, but I still hated them for the band, you know what I mean? <laughs> I had a problem with that because our band was even starting to make money. So, and we were doing well. And uh, the younger one, I was the cute one of the bunch. So they made me the spokesperson, which turned me into like the manager. And I was on it, man. I was really on it. And so, you know, we were gigging around town and uh, things were popping. Not recording yet, but we were making our own songs, blah, 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 blah. As that changed and the DJing thing, they didn't all just jump the bandwagon. It took years, but I got that was my mainstay crew. Um, and yeah, that's also how I, I, I found out or started to get the second awakening of about the matrix and the system and all this at a very early age. And it was it was in the case this today, I'll say it was great to witness that, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, my statement on it, to see my best friends get sucked into that system made me very anti-system, very. And I didn't even know why or how, but I, it was totally like, no. Do you, uh-uh. do you understand it now, looking back on retrospect? I'm still learning, but yes, I do, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning. I mean, that balance, I mean? That, balance is, that balance is a mother, you know. That's the key, but at the same time, it's like some people will say you always have something, you always have to have something to fall back yeah, on. Exactly. Well, if I don't plan on falling back, ah, oh, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah, got yeah. sometimes yeah, yeah. you got to go hardcore like that. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean, I understand oh. your, your, safe, your safety belt, but uh uh-uh. uh, I'm a motorcycle rider, we don't have safe safety belts, you know what I mean. And I ride, I ride. So it's a different head, but that head will keep you afloat. Um, man, I, I would say some other stuff about my son because we had a conversation. But if we have time, I'll get into that later because it's on this note. But anyway, your next question, bro. Let's stick to the music. <laughs> so obviously, you all you had already knew you wanted to be a musician, but it wasn't the the DJing thing. Was the, the DJing coming came first, or no? That came that after. came after. Okay. The band faded. DJs were coming into view, and uh. I tell you what what clipped me, man. We were doing a wedding party. Okay. And a uh, pretty big one. So this and is when the D- this is when the DJ started. Now, right? Right. At this wedding. Okay, go ahead. This, this is before the this is before the eighties. Okay. I have to say. Gotcha. And uh, 
70, somewhere between 76, 7, 78, 70, 70. It, was, it had to be before 79 because this was before even 12 inches. So yeah, 76, 77 probably. Okay. Anyway, okay. Uh, we did this wedding and we played like we started whenever it opened, we're playing. And then it was dinner time and the DJ was coming on. This dude, his speakers were huge and uh, he played his first record after our set and we had kind of a nice, so we thought, loud system. <laughs> so we thought. <laughs> exactly. My man put on, I, I, to this day, I don't forget it, Summer Madness, Cool in the Game, oh, the live version. Okay. That's and when he came in with that, the beginning, boom, boom, bitch. It was so loud and so powerful. I was just like this. Oh shit! It was it rattled, man, the building. Okay. And then it goes woo with the flutes. Right. Woo. Right. And you could oh, feel no. the wind and the it was the, like the Oh, flute you feel the wind there. from the instrument was right there in front of you. All right. It was amazing. And then of course the drums and the bass, and then by the time that keyboard solo came, the synthesizer. <laughs> I was screaming, yo. I was like, what? And in my mind, that little needle, which was way on the other side of the room, and I'm standing near my drum set in front of his speaker, it's like, what? I don't, what? what's going on? You know I mean? This was the time of uh, stereos were still those big brown suitcases. Suitcases. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so to see that, Turntable was way over there. Music was coming from the speakers way over there, and it was powerful. Like, what? What? Never heard music so loud, so clear, so big ever. You know what I mean? And uh -huh. I, I think I had already been to some like outside concerts with PAs. Uh -huh. They didn't have that. My man came with the bomb shit, and it changed my life, man. From that first clap, come boom, bam, I was in. I said, that's what I want to be where he's standing. And I knew it, you know what I mean? Okay. Talked to the dude, was like, checked out his shit. <laughs> and I remember he had the GLI mixer. Uh -huh. And that was, I think, my third mixer, because I, I was looking forward to getting it. That, GLI. The GLI. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Everybody. Who didn't uh, have if one you of see these? a picture, you might, well, I don't know, California, you know what I mean? We Everybody had, we got had GLI. Okay, okay. Newmark? That was the one before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new Moss came first. Yeah. And then I think early Gemini, blah, blah, yeah, blah. There was another one that everybody had. I can't remember the name. That was my first mixer. But uh, yeah, man, that, it blew my mind. DJ, I don't know was his it, name. And this was belt drives. Exactly. Okay. This We had the uh, Panasonics back in the day. <laughs> Panasonics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what would you say is the advantages and disadvantages of working in a team as opposed to an individual artist after the band and you made this transfer and this transition to the lone wolf? Wow, that's an interesting thing to ask, my brother. Um, the differences was your question. No, the right? advantage and disadvantage. The advantages of working alone, I would say, is the fact that you don't rely on anybody to do it, it's all on you, which depending on your mentality, that's a great thing. So that's an advantage because there's no, you just do. Uh, and I'll give you just one example of that, a deadline. I don't even do deadlines. I don't have it, I don't understand it. Somebody asks you to do something, as soon as it's done, it's done. So this is a, a, a loner type thing in my own world. 
because when you have somebody else involved, you got their time and your time. So right away, you could be, you know, okay, I have to do it by then and you have to finish by then so we can have it back by this time, whatever. And so that's, to me, just one example of a, the advantage part of being alone. And I say uh, an advantage of being with other people is the workflow, because in my case, 90, probably 3% of everything I do, I do it myself, for myself. And therefore, a lot of things are quite lacking. And one example of that is videos. I make over, I would say 70% of my own videos, and a lot of them suck. Why? Because I don't want to give it time. I can't. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it is as important as the music, but it's not as important as the music as to the me. Music itself, yeah. To me, yeah. So in this the case, I mean, you source, can, man, that unites us all. Yeah, but yo, you could have a dope video and a sh terrible song, and it, it, it becomes a great song because of the video. You know what I mean? It could happen, but I'm not living like that. And, you know, it's like, a, it, to me, it's still about the music, which is why I do, you know, just even pictures, one image. But I, I love doing videos and I like the work, but I don't have time. And that's, you know, it's a problem. So that's a disadvantage. Uh, yeah, you have no problem being on stage. I know that. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> with being with Thanks. the band at all. You're, show, you're a showman and you're a showman and musician and all of that in, in, in one package. And that's a wonderful thing. Thank you, man. But also, I think it comes with the history, you know? I mean, uh, you got a, a, a the average DJ today. He's only been in the club when you've been on stage. You know, what I mean, I, I sing professionally on stage uh, as as a band member, as a sometimes vocalist of the band. You know, you got to talk to people. You got to perform. And then there's the professional side. OK, I went to school for announcer training. <laughs> so when I want to, I can speak really nice and uh, put on that voice. You know what I'm saying? Unlike but, me, I'm in school right now with you. <laughs> so am I, yo. Come on. <laughs> Looking at your studio. <laughs> what's that box? Oh, what's that? <laughs> how, how long did how long did you work in the studio developing your skills needed before releasing Just Don't Stop the Dance? Before you could say, this is it, it's going on vinyl, getting put out there in the public. Um, well it was actually before that song I had did a couple of tracks, but let me show you my mentality because it, it makes the difference. When I first started producing music and which started with just making beats, my mentality was an old school, I'm gonna use the word hip hop DJ. Forget rap. When I say hip hop, it was from slow beats to fast disco. And a lot of that fast disco had uh, broken beats in it, break beats in it and we used to cut the mess out of it All like it was a hip hop yeah. record. So as a hip hop DJ cutting up stuff, the first thing in my head, the people at that time at a party, they wanted to hear something fresh, something new, something different. That was key versus hearing the hits and hearing what I know. So with that, that's why DJs went, uh, what do you call them today? Crate, what do you call them? Crate, Crate Robin, Crate, Crate Digger. Digger. We used to call it shopping. We used to go record shopping, you know what I mean? Don't go to the record store. I'll be there all day, y'all. All day, you know what I mean? Okay, so all of that. And this is the key, man. We were spending money. Every DJ I know was spending money on finding tracks that nobody else had that we could cut at the next party or our next get together to impress you because you ain't got this. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
So we had to find the weird underground stuff. That was the point. Very competitive, very competitive. Yeah, for sure. And so as a producer, I was, in my mind, I wasn't trying to make songs. I was trying to make beats and these rough tracks, for example, that I would go shopping for. So I'm not shopping for the record. I'm shopping for the breakbeat, y'all. Looking for the break. Give me that, just the beat. You know what I mean? Forget the rest of the song. That's what I was making. So I was making these rough tracks. It wasn't like, okay, here's a finished song. Now I'm ready to go shopping. Mm-hmm. It was like, yo, here's a, here's a, we didn't even call them tracks. Here's a beat. We was making beats. It had maybe a little bass line, but drum beats. Easy to dance to, but unique. Unique because it was kind of hip hoppy, but very techy. You know what I mean? Okay. Somehow very, very electronic. Okay. And uh, that actually, uh, my first record came something out of that, which was on LeRon, but it didn't come out before uh, the, the Just Don't Stop the Dance came out first. But I had this this joint called This Bad Soul Dance, um, which was produced in the same studio as EPMD, where they work out of. But I, I was on this thing with Reverb, and I'm gonna say, unfortunately, thank you to Larry LeVan and Paradise Garage, this is the time when I was 88, 87-ish. I was in the garage as often as possible because my man, Timmy Richardson, maybe you know the name? Yeah, yeah. Timmy Richardson? Richardson or Rutherford? No, Richardson. Richardson. Yeah, he, he's not he's not as large as that one, okay. as Regisford. They, actually, they call him the other Timmy sometimes. Okay. But in New York and, you know, around East Coast, he's known. Mm-hmm. He got a radio show on, on online. He's doing well. But he had the, a membership. And me and him used to go to announcer training school together. So we was like this. And we was the only DJs in this announcer training school. And we both played house and we both understood hip hop, blah, blah, blah. Right. So we were garage partners. Okay. Now when I'm in the garage and this is the time I'm starting to produce more and more tracks as I just said. Mm-hmm. Larry's in there banging and I'm hearing boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in my studio, I was trying to reproduce something like that, which for me was all about reverb. Okay. If you go back and listen to my first records, it's got this reverb that's way off course to include the guy who mastered it was a Jamaican reggae DJ engineer. He knows some shit, right? Yeah, figures. He, he asked me, man, you, you think it's too much reverb? <laughs> I was like, nah, nah, it's great. He was telling me, yo, it's a bit much. And I was like, nah, nah, that's the way it should be. You gotta sound like the G. And ignorant, naive me yeah. didn't realize there's a needle. The same thing that blew my mind the first time, the needle got uh, a mixer, the mixer got preamps, the preamps got this, and they got it goes on and on and then finally you got the speakers and then the room size hello the room size when you play that record at home it don't sound like that sir i'm like i don't know i thought it you know yo it's big it's sound like boom boom that's the sound my shit just have because right. i want it like that so anyway my whole engineering uh nonsense it, it gave my early records and again i didn't know there was no internet to read it there was just you know and i at that time i wasn't even you doing learned, you learned by doing then. exactly and okay. it, in my case doing wrong but i had the heart and the will 
I was like, and I played it, you know, in my house, it was sounding like the garage. I was like, yeah, this is going to be booming. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it had that echo, it had that right. reverb. Right. Now, but the funny thing is, in England, I put out two tracks with like, it took me years to come down on the reverb, but two tracks especially, and one of them charted in England, man. They loved it. DJs, they loved it. They was like, yo, this is, I never heard nothing like this. Boom. But again, it was just my total misunderstanding of what the fuck I was doing. I realized a lot of people, they don't move because they're looking for that perfection from the start. And I'm like, you ain't going to find it in the start, son. You're not going to find it. It's like, that's not how it works. And if you do it by accident once, you ain't going to do it again for years. And they don't want to hear that. Is some people I know refuse to release something they've created because it's not perfect to them. And, I'm, and their career, I don't know. I just want to say that because, yo, fuck it up, make mistakes. And over time, you should see it getting better. Yeah, and that, if you yeah. don't, then try something totally different anyway. As you see the progress, as you see the progress and feel the progress, it makes you better and you get better at it. Tell me about the most exciting moments in your artistic life. Is there one or two moments that you could say, I never, ever forget this day. This changed my life. Whether it's family, uh, whether it's an experience, whether it's, a, um, it's an opportunity or a release. Man, as in this last 30 seconds, I'm thinking there's too many to name anyone. It's a question that, that can't be answered because it's it's... I mean, I had a lot of great things happen and a lot of good moments. And just for the sake of answering you, I'm going to give you one. It's really personal. And the reason I'm giving it to you because it just happened. About a month ago, I'm playing in an after hours house. And I had a conversation with this beautiful young lady. And we talked about music, of course. And... What came up? Um, Nona Hendrix, transformation. And we just was both like, yeah, I really love it. Da, 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 da. And I mean, like, you know, intense love for a, a song. Mm -hmm. So we was on that level of conversation with music. And then I had my two USB sticks with me. And some just said, let me see if I got this. I had it. She wasn't even in my eyesight. Threw it on. Within 25, 30 seconds, she came up to me, man. And the next minute, we was in tears, yo. In the club. Just like tears were just rolling like, wow. You know what I mean? We danced a little bit, but it was just an amazing moment. I'm talking the music, the sound, and to hear that in the house spot. And the people, they all, they all was, of course, once when it came in, everybody was like, wow, what the fuck is that? Woo. But when they saw the tears, the whole dance floor just kind of like mellowed into another level, man. Nobody else cried, or if they did, they were hiding it. But we was like, yeah, man, we couldn't stop. I couldn't hide it. I couldn't, you know what I mean? It was just yeah, yeah, emotional, yeah. like, emotional wonderfulness. So that was a moment. Yeah, man, sounds, it was heavy. It sounds wonderful, man. It's part of the experience. It's part of the experience. Yeah. Um, from New York to Berlin, the music scene. What was the bridge uh, to this connection, between these connections, uh, New York to Berlin? Hardwack. Mark Anastas himself. That was it. Um, okay, it's bigger than that. Okay, I'll, I'll, let me go detail to your question. The true story of House on New Groove Records hit Berlin hard. 
And again, it started with Hard Wax Records importing the record. Uh, he loved it. He gave it to a bunch or a bunch of key DJs got it from Hard Wax to include Tanith, uh, DJ oh, Tana, Rock. Tana. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. he, he, he loved that record, man. There's a video of Berlin, one of the early techno Berlin, and you see it's he has a, a chart on a piece of paper written, and I even think the song plays for a second in one of the Trezor early videos, but that's all ten. So yeah, big up. And he turned me on to uh, one of my songs that was covered, Smoke Belch, New Age of Faith. He was the first one I ever heard play, um, and it, it was a, that's an amazing story, but that's Tanner. Back to uh, the true story of House, the Berlin Connection. Tanif was one of them, Rock, and Monica Dito. Monica Dito was also, was a radio station DJ. She, thanks to Hard Wax, got hold of my stuff. And so she was plumping me on radio here, back in the day. Hus, hus, was it Radio For You? I don't remember the name of her show. But um, she kind of, I, I, I believe, gave me like a little celebrity status for the underground in Berlin. So then what happened as time went on, Mark um, Ernestus, Mr. Hardwax, amongst many Mr. Other Things, he started to, he got in touch with me. I think he found me through New Groove and uh, he called my house, man. <laughs> He's like, with this accent, you need to come, you need to, come to Berlin and, and do, do a performance. Now me as a DJ at this time, now I'm DJing, okay? I'm making, I'm trying to make records, but I'm DJing for years now. Now I'm playing in suburban Long Island, y'all. Trying to reach New York City, Manhattan, but more or less I'm a Long Island kid playing for these rich ass black folk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they was like, give me all these rumors, baby. So we had kind of a clash quite often. Mm. And it's funny because now the same generation, they're they're mostly into house, man. I mean, but anyway, that's a whole nother story. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so I was playing and forcing house music onto black people who didn't really, who, they weren't underground. They weren't that. They weren't the artists. They weren't the no people way. hanging out no. downtown in no. Manhattan. No, they were kind of you know it was it was on some other shit. They go but out anyway, sometimes, but not all the time. Exactly. Well, they, they would go out all the time, but you know, give me my radio music by now. Right. You yeah. know, give me that. Give me that shit I like. Give me that shit I know. Um, oh, the radio music wasn't loud in the club. It was. It was the dress-up crowd. Yeah. You know, show we got the money crowd. That's that shit. Not okay. that underground artsy, lose your mind in the club type. But anyway, uh, I love them all. Though, don't get me wrong. I oh, just yeah. their musical taste could be a little bit wider. <laughs> I know your history. I understand. So that was the connection back to Hard Wax. He started asking me, calling me, and at this time I was working at uh, a distributor called Winds. Nervous Records is the son of Winds. Oh, whoa. Okay. You remember Wiki Wiki? No, Wiki Warp? The Weiss Brothers, that's the name of the, the family, man. They had that, they had a few labels. They had that, is that, um, the band is Nucleus. I can't Nucleus. see the label, but I can't see the record label. But they had that. Um, they had a few other labels before Nervous. So Michael Weiss, that's the guy who runs Nervous. He's uh -huh. the son of one of these two brothers who already was in the music business for years doing well and they had a distribution company. Um, so I worked there and Mark was buying from them. 
So it gave him more access to call me. And he was calling me on a weekly for a few months. So I'm like, yo, you got to come to Berlin. And the first time he called, I was like, not really interested. I visited Deutschland once before. I never been to Berlin, but I didn't really like it, y'all. So I'm not really interested. Okay. And not with that, but he kept calling and calling and calling and oh, calling, wow. and calling and calling and calling. Wow. After it took about three months, man. And at this time, I just happened to be uh, me and my wife was splitting up a few months before, which I still was like, no, I'm not coming. But as that split up became split, split. One day he called and I was like, yeah, okay, send me a ticket. Just like that. It was like at the decision I made in that moment on the phone. Yeah, okay. And I came here. Yeah, that was that was so it was, it was Mark, man. All Mark. And on this note, especially since I'm talking to you, I'ma add, this was before him and uh what's the other one? There's three of them. Mark and Esther's uh um, I can't think of the label right now, nothing. What if I say the name, you'd be like, oh, them. Uh, Moritz von Oswald and Thomas Feldman. Bam! Thomas Feldman, yes. This was, let's just say, in their early days, too. So they was calling me like, yo, you need to come in and work. So you you, you really appreciate them keep calling calling you back? Till this day, it's strange with me, man. I have no regrets. In my life, I have two little regrets, actually. But in but are this you grateful? case... And are you satisfied that you made the move? I'm grateful, man, but it's like I said, they changed, well, they helped change the course of my life. And depending on if I'm looking back, wondering, like sitting here today, I'm cool. Wherever I am, I'm cool with it. But at this, like, for example, when my mom, she's like, well, if you was here doing da-da-da, you would be da-da-da. You know, my mom is like, yo, you should be here doing your thing. I'm like, ma, the people there don't really get it. It's not, they're not interested in, in, in. And I said, to make a living, it's, it's not the place to be. But you can make your, you know, and but she said even, okay, my moms will say, you do more than just dance music, you do more than just that house. So, and, you know, and she's seen another side. But the life I live, I wouldn't trade it, I wouldn't give it back for nothing, you know what I mean? There you go, there you go. So that's, that sounds satisfying to me. Yeah, I mean, it's like that, man. And uh, to be quite honest, to be in New York or to be stateside in these days and times, uh-uh, uh-uh, not me, y'all. I'm old school, meaning I could wear any shirt I want. I could curse if I want. Not gonna get shot for cursing. Police harassing me for a fucking T-shirt I'm wearing. It's like, why don't you tell me what kind of hat to wear, motherfucker? What are you talking about? Don't even bother. What are you? Don't even talk to me. That's me. But it's not like that because now it's just—it's a patrol situation. It's a very, to me, like Russia, because Russia the way it used to be. Years. I went to Russia the first time about 20 years ago, and what I see in the states, from California to New York, it's very Soviet Union past. How, uh, yo, a cop stopped me for a t-shirt, man. A t-shirt. And asked me about it. And just the other day, that was some years ago. And I mean, like, how are you gonna ask me a cop on duty? You know what I mean? If it was a friend or just a cop, I'm curious. No, this was official police business. Motherfucker, you stopping me about my shirt? Who are you? What? You this is, it's real. He's antagonizing. 
He's a he's trying to get you to he's trying to get you to play. A brother got shot the other day for cur or got arrested for cursing, man. Come on, man. Huh? You know what I mean? I can't live there, yo. I can't do that. Totally despise of it. What is your what is your primary focus when you step into the studio to make music? Depends, man. Some mindset. It's very different. Um Okay. The mindset for Themas release. It wasn't like that. <laughs> okay, see, those songs were, were already made. I was pushing, actually crossing dimensions to get on vinyl. And with that, it was about not his sound, but this record. This, this record needs to be out there. And once he liked it, we had to find stuff to go around it that fitted him. So, but yeah, I, I can't say. Uh, Okay, into the studio, everything is different, man. Sometimes I come in and there's no thought at all, not even the sound, and I just play or touch, you know what I mean? Other times there's something in my head already and it could be just an idea, it could be a complete song A to Z, it's in my head. Now I have to touch stuff to create it, make it real. And other times, uh, yeah, I want to do something like this. Or I'll say, I, I want to go, lately I haven't done anything hard. I need to push up my BPMs and I go in with that. Or, you know, I'm tired of the 4-4. Oh, yeah. I need to go through something different, whether it's a break beaty, hip hoppy, electro, or some ambient. So yeah, it's always different, man. Um, I'm doing all. I'll narrow it down with you, to you. What is your weapon of choice when you walk into the studio? <laughs> well, nah, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna say my mind, man. It, it's it's very it's very when I do start, even if it's I don't know where I'm going. I'm very conscious of the ride, so I don't really equipment, and I'm not a gear guy. Some of my own equipment, I don't know who made it, but I touch it every day. You know what I mean? I just, I'm. If you ask me, I have to look and say, oh, that's. Akai or oh that's Roland. Well, Roland I pretty much know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So it's not I'm not that and with sound I'm still always and I mean always searching for sound and new sound and whether that could be even two of my old synthesizer sounds but two different ones maybe something I never put together and it could be you know anything on YouTube I don't mean a, a, a beat or a bass line. I'm talking a sound, yo. Mm. Just a sound. The mind, And the heart is right. It's with it. I don't know which is more important, but, the, you know, it's like, okay, I don't always make things from the heart, but I try to do it with the heart. So, yeah. It, it, when, hey, I tell you, when I'm, I'm trying to grow musically, and with that, the heart sometimes comes out of it, and I can hear a difference. It's funny. But... If I feel, you know, if I make everything with the same heart, you're gonna have the same sound or the same vibe. I have to change my heart a little bit. A changed heart, you have something different. Yeah, exactly. This is this is what I'm thinking. Anyway, yeah. Tell, tell us about your upcoming releases and future releases that you have in the pipeline. Wow. Uh, the right now, we got um. It's actually stuff more that just dropped. Thema. I believe that 12 inch is dropping this week. The digital is already out right as of the Um Again, that's that crossing dimensions. Video's been out for actually two years, maybe. 
And it's not the same mix. The final on, on the 12 inch is, is really clean and nice. Mm. Um, the other one is uh, my man Argy. Look at that. I shouted oh, yeah, out. Argy. Yeah, Argy. Uh -huh. I shouted out the Greeks on the first setup. Here yeah. we go again. Yes, Him. This track moved like a panther. That's about to drop on play it, say it, and uh, there's that should move because they got big promotion nowadays. Right. And the LB. So, and what about your what about your own personal label? That's the one that came out in June, and that was the first Laron in about 12 to 15 years. I forgot the number, but uh, thanks to uh, House Wax and Robert DBH, we got that going on, and I think. It's funny. Oh, I'm Robert, not going to okay, Robert over there, though, with Chai Wax, House Wax, and... Exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, he helped me get that out there, and I do believe we're way over 500. I'm not going to give a number, but we're way over. People telling me, yeah, we're doing 300, 400, 500. God, I'm on another level, and hopefully the finances will trick back in from the sales. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -huh. And I got some uh, demos out there. And I got, you know, I can't say, but some uh, a nice label. I'm talking with a really nice label. And I just met this guy from, uh, it's a new label called Heidi Tun. And I'm doing probably two or three remixes for his brand new label. And he's about to go vinyl. So, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that. Um, what could we expect to hear in your exclusive mix, uh, music mix for the Decisive radio special i finished it last night dude <laughs> and uh yeah i tried something i never really did it's a mix of me all bad material this mix is more a music selection presenter okay it's about the music it's not about the mix and this is you know as a dj this is again my mood it wasn't to cut shit up or give you the greatest mix it was to select these records and yo here's here's these tracks that's what i gave you tracks bro shit that's not out shit that nobody heard blah blah <laughs> so yeah it's about the tracks it's about the tracks with that said, I really appreciate you being on Decisive Radio Special. This, and um, I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us here today. Mr. LB Bad Brother, thank you so, so much. Roberto Ingram, it's been a pleasure, for real, from beginning to end. <laughs> and I'm coming to Berlin, and I hang out with you there since you ain't coming here. Julio. <laughs> All right, thanks so much. Hey, man, I'm thank you for all for the support and just the fact that you even wanted me and my music on I appreciate it
Not a good party, but a positive party. And uh, yeah, that's how. 